The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed all that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. tired? <laughs> Me too. Me too. Just woke up? I did not just wake up, but that's okay. I've got a question for you. Today, uh, David does some work, and that work is kind of unique. You see, all the tribes of Israel asked David to do something, to be something. Everybody look at my nose. What did the tribes of Israel ask David to be? Yeah? Their king. Their king. Now, why was David asked to be a king? Yeah. He was chosen by God. He was doing that work already. He was like a shepherd to them. A shepherd who cared for them, who loved them. God had also told David that he was going to be a king. And just with his family, he had poured oil on his head and on his shoulders. He had done the best he could. 
Every once in a while, God has something that God wants us to do. And we call that a calling. A calling by God. And sometimes we feel it inside our hearts. And sometimes we feel it through other people's words. We all have a calling. Did you know you have a calling? You do? I was there for some of you when it happened. Each one of us has a calling in our baptism. As water falls over our head and trickles down our face a little bit, God told us that we are loved children of God and that nothing at all can ever take us away from this love. Not anything that other people do and not anything that we do. Nothing takes us away from this love. Your first calling, all of our first callings, is to be loved people of God. Now, did you choose that? How many of you chose to be baptized? No, I didn't either. God just loved us. God was just there for us. Your calling, what God wants you to do and to be, is to be a loved person and to love others in the same way. What do you think? You're kind of disengaged right now. That's okay. I've got an idea. I want you to figure out one way that you express love for someone. One way that you express care for someone. Okay? I want you to think about that over the week. Pop quiz. What are you going to figure out over the week? Yes. How we love and care for... One way to express how we love and care for someone. One way that you express how you love and care for someone. And one way that God expresses how God loves and cares for you. Pop quiz. What's the second thing you're going to think about this week? Yeah. One way that God cares and loves for you, right? This is our calling. To be loved people of God. People who love and people who are loved. Shall we say a prayer? Let's pray. God of grace and God of love, we are thankful. We're thankful for your presence here. We're thankful for the way that you're with us in all kinds of situations in life. We're thankful for the way that you love us. We ask that we might be good people to one another, be good lovers of one another, that you might show us how to best express that love, and that we might know your love deeply. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a sack for you. Well, actually, other people have a sack for you, but that's okay. It's okay.
That is just about how I left my bed this morning. <laughs> That's okay. In the name of Jesus, amen. As many of you know, we're focusing on the first reading, the Old Testament reading throughout uh, the summer. And this reading is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it doesn't have the same amount of action that we've had in our readings up to this point. Up to this point, we've had a lot of dialogue. We've had a lot of movement. We've had a lot of physical action from the characters in the stories. And in those stories, we've seen a lot of change over the course of time. Way back at the beginning of the summer, we remember that originally Israel wasn't led by a king, but was rather led by God, God's own self. And there were a series of judges who would help make rulings, who would help make decisions on behalf of that group, on behalf of that nation. Eventually, Israel cried out for a king, even though they weren't to have one. And they cried out repeatedly, and so Samuel, the prophet at the time, and the judge at the time, talked with God and said, they're kind of crying out for this. I know they're not supposed to have it. God said, that's not anything against you. That's against me. So give them what they want. But also warn them that a king will indeed take a hold of this power and use it not necessarily for their own good, but for his own good. And so Samuel anointed a king in accordance with what God said was okay. And we got Saul. Famous slumping Saul on our wall over there. And Saul was a good-ish king. He did a lot of things well. He did some things badly. And because of those things that he did badly, God withdrew God's blessing from that kingship and gave it over to David. Pretty early in David's life. He was still a teenager at the time. He was described as ruddy with beautiful eyes. in a very intimate moment, only surrounded by his brothers, who were all older than him, and his dad, Samuel anointed David to take over for Saul while Saul was still king. That's a complex moment. To be told that you will indeed be king and at the same time still have a king reigning, a king that didn't necessarily want to give up the power. Over the course of time, David took on a lot of the things that belonged to the king's mantle. David took on fighting on behalf of Israel and had a whole series of warriors that would follow him around. David took on caring for the people of the area and would feed those who were hungry. David took on doing the work of justice and even sparing Saul's life from time to time when he was being pursued. Eventually, Saul died, either by a self-inflicted wound or in battle, but in either case, David grieved for a while, and then this story happens, where the twelve tribes of Israel gathered together, sent representatives to David, saying, you're already doing the work of a king. You lead us out and bring us in, just like a shepherd, and in you we see kingship. I believe this is a call. 
I believe this is from God given down a message of understanding what you are to be in the world. We talk in the Lutheran church a lot about calls. And anytime you're talking about a call, the famous Lutheran lingo is to see an internal and an external call. Something inside yourself that you've come to understand and something outside yourself that you're starting to hear. In an internal and external call, you begin to discern, you begin to look through and figure out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. How many of you, only by a show of hands, have ever had some kind of internal call, either a nudge or a movement or a full-fledged voice inside yourself trying to tell you what should be done? I want to note that it's not everyone. It's not everyone. It's a wonderful thing to have. I've had it myself. But sometimes we don't hear the voice. And that's okay. Not everyone does. And we recognize that in our scripture. It is not a requirement for anything. Sometimes God just whispers to a few people to get them to move. And it's probably because they can't hear what's going on around them. How many, how many of you have heard outside yourself some kind of voice, some kind of teaching or instruction telling you what you should be, how you should move the work of God in the world? Given my profession, I was hoping for more, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But sometimes there are external things. Not just in our worship, but in our conversations and our relationships with one another, telling us who we should be and how we should act. I remember very clearly moments of internal and external call and becoming a pastor. At the age of third grade, I remember hearing an internal call as I watched my pastor growing up, the Reverend Douglas Meyer. And he was doing a very good job in giving a sermon. In the same way that you can tell an artisan doing a good job or a craftsperson doing a good job, I could tell this individual was doing a good job in what he was doing. In a very snarky way, I said to myself, well, I could do that. And a still small voice inside me said, well, go ahead and do that. Sounded like a good idea. So I started talking about what every kid does growing up, I want to be a pastor when I grow up. <laughs> and you get, you get all the kinds of reactions that you do when you're a small child saying, I want to be a pastor. It's really cute, right? Oh, that's great. You're going to be a great pastor. I mean, I could have said anything and gotten the same reactions. As I grew older, I started hearing people say that I might actually be good at it, right? wow, you've got a, a, a real sense of what's going on in Scripture. That's really good. That'll be helpful when you want to become a pastor. Or, wow, you've got a way of talking, and, and that's really neat. Uh, you can connect things. You're really good at school. It's good that you know how to read. Like, all those little things. Internal and external calls started being put together in a way where I all of a sudden found myself understanding that God might indeed be pulling me, pushing me, dragging me towards this. I remember the same thing in dating. 
I remember the same thing in understanding that I might not go back to Ohio. I remember the same thing in trying to figure out what it meant to be a Lutheran pastor when all I had was blue-collar background experience. We all have times when something either inside of ourselves or outside of ourselves is moving and acting and trying to tell us how to live and how to be. I believe the bedrock of that voice is found in our baptismal font, is found in our worship and in our liturgy. If you hear no other calling in this life, hear the calling that God has for you of love and acceptance. You see, David did nothing to deserve the mantle of king. David did nothing to prove that he was worthy to be a king before he was anointed. God knew who David was long before David knew who David was. David thought he was a shepherd. God knows who you are. And God knows the ins and the outs of who you are. God knows who you will be. God knows the great things you will do and the truly terrible things you will do. And I say that not to embarrass you. I say that so you know that God, already knowing these things, has a great deep love for you. Has found it good and right to care for you deeply and intimately throughout every moment of your life. Your first and central calling is not something that you should do, but something you should know that you are. You are loved and you are a child of God. There is no action you can do to pull away from this love. There is no sin you can commit to deny God this love. This love pours out from God fully and richly, not because of who you are, but because of who God is. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Over the course of your life, as you go throughout the ins and outs of listening to those external voices and that internal nudge or movement or small voice. Remember. Remember that the waters that fall on you connect you to the moment of your baptism. Remember the waters that stream down your face are the same waters too. Remember that each moment of the day you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. God be with you in your times of discernment. God be with you in your life as children of God. Amen.